Happy Sunday, everybody. So I wanted to jump on here uh, today. I'm a recent empty nester. So where I used to be with the kids on Sunday afternoon, um, they're not here. So I figured, let me jump on IG Live and answer a bunch of questions that I've been getting. And they all kind of have a theme. And I figured instead of responding to everybody individually, I could just do maybe 20 or 30 minutes. And people up like I just invited Roxanne. Roxanne, are you coming up? Hey, Garrett. Let's see if Roxanne is going to join me. Did you accidentally ask to come up? So I'm going to jump in. If you guys have any specific questions or you want to join, come on up and we can chat about my favorite things to chat about. Leasing, reviewing financials, how to get in touch with national tenants, how to compete against lower pricing than our higher price center, all that kind of fun stuff. Okay, so Roxanne's not joining, Roxanne. Okay, so let's just jump in. I just have been accumulating DMs from some of you and probably some of you that are not here. And I just thought, you know, let, let me take some time to respond to some of these. And if some leasing agents are asking these questions, that means probably others are also interested. So the first, one of the first questions, and I, I actually, for those of you that are not on Twitter, mm -hmm. I highly recommend you join Twitter. I've been doing most of my posting on Twitter. So this week I posted about leasing financials. So I had a, a client call me, I was doing some consulting and they bought a shopping center and they have an empty, they have a tenant that they paid for the income of the tenant, but the tenant hasn't shown up. It the tenant was in construction. So it was a coming soon tenant, a franchise, and this was a franchisee. So I asked the client to send me the franchisee's financials that they got during due diligence and they were awful. So there were two individuals that signed the lease and they had less than $20,000 to their name problem. And there was no corporate guarantee by the backup of the franchisor. So it's super, super important. So when I sign a lease or when I have a prospect that wants to sign the lease in any of my properties, I do the following things. I want to do a credit check on the tenants because if they have bad credit, that might, that might show bad history of paying their bills and that might be a problem for us collecting rent. So I wanna pull a credit check. And when they say, well, can I give you a copy of a credit check I recently pulled on, you know, on behalf of myself, I don't take that. I say, no, no, I have to pull the credit myself. And when they complain that they say, well, if too many people pull credits on me, then my credit score goes down, you know, not my problem. I'm, I'm leasing a multi-million dollar asset and I need to pull your credit. So that's one. 
Number two, I want three months of bank statements because I want to see what kind of cash they have. Uh, number three, I have a form that is like a, if they aren't an existing business, if they're an existing business, I want their existing business financials. But if they're a startup, I want to see what their income and expenses, what their plan for income and expenses. I want to see that they thought about insurance. I want to see if they thought about marketing, legal fees, licenses. So, and then on that, and if any of you guys want that form, let me know and I can send it to you, or I think it's on the website. Um, on that, it says, what, if, what are your startup costs? And when they put their startup costs are 20,000 and they're a restaurant or a nail salon, almost any use, pretty much I know that these people aren't sophisticated and I'm probably gonna take a pass on them. If they say that their startup costs are 100,000 and they show that they've got 20,000 cash, that's a problem obviously too. So I'll call them up and I'll say, hey, you know, like I, I, I want to do a uniform store at one of my centers. So let's say a uniform, I find a uniform store, they have another location and they give me their financials and they tell me that they need 50,000 to start up and they have 20, they're showing me 20,000. So I'll call them up and I say, hey, we've got a little bit of a problem. On your, in your documents that you gave me, it says that you, it's gonna be 50,000 for you to open the store between deposits, security deposits, licensee, licensing, um, build out, merchandise, POS system, yada, yada, yada and your financials only show that you've got 25 cash. Where are you going to get the other 25? And I just ask it exactly like that. And again, we all are representing multi-million dollar properties. Even if we're only representing a $3 million property, that's a multi-million dollar property. And we need to get that information from our prospects. So, um, so three months of bank statements, credit check. If they have another location, I definitely want a landlord reference. So I will ask them for, it's really gloomy out there today, isn't it? Um, I want to ask for uh, the landlord reference and I call the landlord. Um, not, most of the time, my prospects aren't moving out of their current location. They're usually coming to do another one. So it's nothing that they should be concerned about that I'm calling the landlord because they're opening up another location and not leaving that one. So those are the things. And then if they're an existing business, obviously, I want to see the P&Ls of the existing business. And I just spoke about this on my podcast this morning. Um, if you don't know how to read a PL, I'm a big believer in whatever you're strong at, double and triple down, and don't worry about the stuff, the stuff that you're weak at, except for math and financials. You need to understand how to read a PL and you need to know math in real estate. And in leasing, and in, even in investing, there's not a lot of math. You have to, you, I mean, if I can learn it, you can learn it. I've taken a bunch of classes. Um, I've looked at some Khan Academy tutorials early on in my career. I took, I took financials 
something about learning financials for the non-financial person. I don't know. I took the CCIM valuation class. So I could, because I came into this business and I was an English literature major, like I never took an accounting class. So I became a president of a company. I could not read a PL. So definitely learn your math in this business. And when you get the financials, don't hand it over to someone else. You should know how to read them. You should know if before you, junior agents used to get the financials for a prospect and then hand it over to our lease administrator and then the lease administrator found the five things and then sent the leasing agent back. You guys should be able to take the first cut and say, hey, you left out the startup costs. Hey, you only gave us one month of bank statements. Hey, you should be able to do that. And again, I don't want you spending an hour, two hours, three hours on the financials, but you can take 10 minutes and see what did they not give you so that you can speed up the process. So, um, so that was to answer the question, what do I ask for when I'm um, looking at uh, a prospect? And this whole franchisee, franchisor thing this client of mine absolutely thought that he had a franchisor guarantee, which he did not. And the franchisees had no money. And they had to build up the store, which they've stopped in the middle of construction. And I've said, well, they've stopped in the middle of construction because they don't have any money. So that is um, what happened. So I've recommended that he hire a litigation attorney and sue for a uh, possession. Hi. Hello, hello. Do you, you want to join us live, Anna? I guess not, huh? <laughs> okay, or that's Amia. Sorry. Okay. So number two question, I get this a lot. How do we get in touch with national tenants and how do we get their attention? So, so how we get in touch with them? There's a few ways. You can call their corporate headquarters, which is super easy and everyone tends to forget about that. So if you wanted to get the head of real estate for Sherwin-Williams, you call Sherwin-Williams headquarters and so, sometimes you can get lost in, in um, voicemail hell but usually you can get to like hr and say who is the real estate director and they can give their you their name and their their number um, other places if you go if you attend any retail lives you get a book of uh retailers in that region that the retail live was held at and you get their contact information their tenant rep brokers information ICSE has a directory, which is fabulous. That's really, ICSE and LinkedIn are probably the go-to because, and I think also um, Retail Live now has it online too, because when someone leaves their company, they usually change their LinkedIn right away. And they usually, if they're in the shopping center business, change their ICSE right away. So I have found that those two are the most updated places to find the information. So um, go there. Now, how, more importantly than finding out where you can get there, you know, you know, where you can find who it is, like the 
Sherwin-Williams real estate director is how do you get their attention? So for me, the best thing that has worked for me is I do a little bit extra on the outset. So for example, if I have a site that I just did this, I want Pet Supplies Plus, you know, I wanted Pet Supplies Plus at one of my shopping centers. So I did a map, I didn't do the map. The intern did the map. So full disclosure, I wouldn't know how to do a map, but I had people that know how to do maps and they say it's, and actually Chloe did a map, did a thing on Facebook of how to do the map. So if you wanna know what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and find Chloe, how, how she says she does maps, she did maps for me. So I do a map of all of the other pet stores pet supermarket, pet, uh, Petco, all, any competitors of Pet Supplies Plus, I put them on a map. I put the Pet Supplies Plus locations on the map. And then I put my a star on my property. So that's the first thing that I do. The second thing, so, and it'll be different colors. So they'll like Pet Supplies Plus will be green, Petco will be orange, and the other one will be yellow and they'll be able to see. Now, do they have this information? Of course they do, it's, but it, it shows them that you're doing some work and you're not just sending out an email blast that they all hate. So then if you have access to Placer or any um, mobile data, what the best thing to do is then to do a mobile data compilation of your site and their sites. So, I did, I think Pet Supplies Plus had three locations in South Florida. No problem. My question is how do I know how much a national would pay? I don't wanna, okay, I'll, I'll answer you. So, um, so Placer, I did a Placer study or report for the existing three Pet Supplies Plus locations. So let's say it said, you know, 3,000 people a week were going to the Pet Supplies Plus locations. And then in my center, let's say I had an Aldi and a Sherwin-Williams, a gym, a nail salon, a cell phone store. So I'm not going to do Aldi because that would skew the results. So I did Sherwin-Williams. And, you know, I thought they were kind of similar. And then I posted, compared to those, those three Pet Supplies Plus locations, here's my Sherwin-Williams at 7,000 people. And so I could show them the amount of traffic by mobile data that were at their three locations and then at mine. And then plus those things, the map and the placer information, then of course I would put my flyer. The retailers say that we leasing agents send them flyers all the time with no addresses, no cities, no states. So make sure that you have the addresses, cities and states. A lot of retailers, some of them like the um, uh, Coordinates, I'm forgetting, the lat latitude and longitude. So I rarely do that, but sometimes I do that. And then, um, and, and that's what I send. And that's literally my opening, hey, Pet Supplies Plus, if you're interested in coming to, in, in expanding in South Florida, would you consider my property and I think it's a hole in your donut compared to the attached map. I usually get a call back or an email back or a call from the tenant rep broker. I would tell you 80% of the time, 
even if I don't know the person, I will get a call back because the real estate manager truly appreciates the fact that you've put in the work and they want to reward that and they want to encourage that. And so I've had people in the past say, that's too much work. I can't do that if I'm reaching out to all these national retailers. So then I like to do a little survey and I say to that person that says that to me, okay, in 2022, how many, how many leases did you sign? And let's say the agent says 15 leases. And I say, okay, how many of those are nationals? And they tell me five, which would be high. I go, okay, and, and hopefully everyone knows your stats. How many national retailers did you have to reach out to to get your five? So for me, at one point, it was 100, 100 nationals to get one. And then it was 50. So I think mine now are down to about 30. So let's say, but let me just throw out 50. So let's say 50 nationals to get one. And you want, and last year you did five. So 250 nationals that you need to reach out to, to do, to send the packages I'm recommending. So that's 250 divided by 50 weeks, right? So that is 50 a week. Is that right? I, now, my, I, I remember I told you I need math, so or I, I need to improve my math, but it's not as many as you think it would be, and doing the package increases the odds by a huge, huge margin for you to get a call back from the national retailer. So I highly recommend, even if you don't have Placer, the mobile data, which is Uber has it, Placer has it, um, uh, uh, credit Intel has it. So it's not just placer. So even if you don't have the mobile data, do the map because it will show that you went a little bit above and beyond. Okay. So Amia asked how, my question is, how do I know how much a national retailer would pay? I don't want to undercut myself or our property. Well, so I think that there you may need, I may lease a property that I need $50 a square foot for, and I want Dollar Tree, and I know Dollar Tree, you know, in South Florida or in, in the markets that I'm in would never pay over 20. So one, so first of all, you need to say, this is the rent I want for my property, or this is the rent my client wants me to get for our property. And it may preclude certain national tenants who never pay over a certain occupancy costs. So that's, so that's one thing. So just because you want Dollar Tree and, and your client wants 50 bucks a square foot, you're, you're pro most likely never getting Dollar Tree. So that's one. Second of all, how you find out what a Dollar Tree can pay is a bunch of ways. A, become really, really, really good friends with tenant rep brokers in the market have create good relationships so you can say hey i have this property i'd love to have dollar tree we really are thinking 40 and that tenant rep broker for dollar tree will say we're not going to pay over 22 max we'd love to be there but we can't pay more than 22. so getting a good relationship with the tenant rep broker they and and again you're saying well they say 22 but maybe they can pay 28. certainly there could be some wiggle room in there for sure but the tenant rep brokers want to make deals too, and they don't want to waste either party's time. 
so that's one. Two, you become really, 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 really good friends with your neighboring leasing agents. So the people that own, if you're representing a Walmart center, you know, what are all of the leasing agents at all of the Walmart centers within a 20 mile radius? And there's probably not that many. And, um, and become friends with them and say, hey, I see that you did $3 trees. What, can they, what do they pay? And they should, and if you have a good relationship with them, they will share that information. Another way to find out is if your client or your boss or your company or you are buying properties and you are getting um, the offering memorandums of properties that are for sale, you get rent rolls and whether you, let's say you own property or let's say you're leasing a property in South Florida but a property goes on the market in Jacksonville and it's a Walmart center and you're leasing a Walmart center, if you sign the confidentiality agreement, you can get that rent roll and it will give you a guide to what those national tenants are paying. So those are the three, and then obviously asking the tenant themselves. And again, you're saying, well, they're, not, they're gonna lie. Yes, they're, they're never gonna tell you exactly what they can pay until they sign a lease and then that's what that's what they can pay and that's what you'll agree to but i recently was working on a deal that a national tenant was paying me a nice very good rent and then um this is a deal i had under contract and i had to drop the contract because the costs exceeded what i could afford to put the deal together and the tenant called and offered me significantly more one of the tenants significantly more than originally because they really 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 wanted a site unfortunately even at the higher rent it didn't make sense i couldn't make the numbers work so um market knowledge is key and relationships in the community in the industry are key so that you know what the longer you're in the business and the more people that you meet you're going to meet people that you can share information with them they'll share information with you and then you'll have a guide that oh very interesting i've i've talked to five or seven people that have done dollar tree deals and they're all in the you know 16 to 20 i've i've I have one outlier at 22 dollars, and that was in a very very high-end you know property that maybe they wanted a billboard or something so so you just need to start compiling information and then you'll know and certain uses if you get the dollars and cents scorebook which is it was published by the uli i think the last time it was published was in 06 or 08 i think icse is trying to update it right now with um one of the members of icse that that book tells you what tenants can pay per use not per tenant but per use so you'll see that bike stores and furniture stores and grocery stores, there are certain tenants that cannot pay high rents versus there's tenants that can pay high rents, liquor stores, jewelry stores, pizza shops, because it has a lot to do with margins. So, so that's another place that you can look. So I hope that helped Amia. Uh, how much should a landlord spend to get the tenant to lease? I currently have a Dollar Tree deal. Isn't that funny that you have a Dollar Tree deal and I just guessed that. I currently have a Dollar Tree deal at 11, but it looks like our cost is 150 to get them in. How do I measure this? Well, 
so your client, so $11 at pro, if they're in 10,000 square feet is 110 and you've got to decide if 150, if, you, if you're willing to give up a year's rent, right? Um, the landlord has to decide, I've got landlords that will do lost leader deals where if I can get a, if I can get a Ross dress for less and I, it takes me $2 million to get them in and they only pay me $16 a square foot, but then I get four other tenants in next to them because of them. So that's called the lost leader. So that's a decision that, that the investor has to make and, and deciding on the return of the investment, if they're willing to do that. A Dollar Tree credit probably these days is, I don't know, maybe if, I don't know, five or six cap. So I, I'm not sure what, you know, if it's AAA, but what would be the cap rate of an $11, so 110,000, you know, maybe it's a $2 million value that it adds to the property. So would you invest 150,000 to get a $2 million value increase in the property? Probably. So those are the things that you take into account when you're trying to decide how much to spend to get a certain rent tenant in the property. Okay, so we've got about five more minutes. I was gonna do this for 30 minutes. I have pages of questions from you guys. So let me see what, um, how much, let's see. How to compete against lower pricing, lower pricing than our higher priced centers. So I think what this person is saying that their shopping center, they, they, their shop, let's say their shopping center on 30 or 40 bucks a square foot and they've got a center across the street that's only asking 20. I think that's where the question's coming. So um, it's super important for you to, to understand your, thank you so much, Realtor Robin. Let's see, Beth, this is, I'm a newer, what's the best advice you've heard? Okay, I'll, I'll get that, I'll end on that. So um, I have a center that's 50 bucks, the center across the street is 20 bucks. Well, I must really think highly of my center that I think I can get 50 bucks. So a couple of things. One, I have tenants in the center doing phenomenally, right? Because if you have a, a, a sushi restaurant and it's doing $1,000 a square foot in sales, you got a lot of traffic coming to that center. And tra good traffic, strong traffic, means good sales, which means sales drives rents. So if, if it, rent is a function of sales. So if I have a ton of traffic and I can show that to the prospect, the, the prospect should understand that they're gonna do higher sales and then therefore can pay higher rents. And versus across the street, um, if there's, if maybe maybe you can't see if there's visibility or exposure um, and there's no track and the tenant can go there for 20 but they're not going to do the business that they can do at your center so that that so sales would be the first thing um, I have a video on YouTube where I am doing a role play this is at shopping center group University where the guy was, um, this is, it's a great video because when we started the role play, I didn't know how it was going to end, but luckily, you know, uh, 
um, what, what's it called when you, um, spoiler alert, I, I won the role play. But um, it was, he wanted to put in a pizza restaurant. I had a public center and he wanted to go in a Winn-Dixie center because the Winn-Dixie center was cheaper. And I convinced, or I, in the role play, I got him to understand that, you know, if, if the Publix is doing 40 million in sales and the Winn-Dixie is doing 20 million in sales, right? That's $20 million of traffic. And then I said, could you, because the public's customer typically spends more per basket, could you charge more per pizza? And we, we got, we did the reduction to the ridiculous, which basically it, what it came down to the rent, the difference in rent was a difference of one pizza in the center per day. Can you sell one more pizza per day at my public center than the Winn-Dixie? If you think you can, you should come to my center and pay. It was a difference of $5 a square foot. So watch that video on YouTube, the role play, because that's, I think, a really good way when you are negotiating with a competitor that's property is less expensive than yours. But it's, it's if you have tenants doing more sales, there's more traffic, which means if they come to your center, they're going to have more traffic. They can pay more rent. If your center has a space on the end cap and the space that the vacancy has that's $20 cheaper is in the elbow, elbow spaces typically are $20 cheaper than the neighboring end cap, okay? Maybe they're a business that needs a lot of parking and like maybe it's a tutorial like a Kumon where the parents come, you know, their kids in there for 45 minutes and they're sitting out in their cars and there's no parking at that center across the street and you have parking so you have to look at that center and say why is that center 20 and why does my client or owner want 40. now sometimes you guys might take on listings and the owner says i want 40 and you don't believe in the 40. well first of all don't take the listing um and second of all, if you want the listing, you need to prove to yourself you can't sell a 40 if you don't believe in the 40. So what you'd need to do is a very, very, very thorough market study that, um, you know, if you have, here's another thing. If in your $40 shopping center, you have one vacancy and the $20 center across the street has 10 vacancies, right? It's a supply and demand. If you had 20 vacancies, then your rent might be 20 also. So doing a very, very thorough market study and then taking it to the client and saying, hi, I just, you know, and, and not, a, not a market study from CoStar or LoopNet or Crexy, a, a market study where you call the neighborhood leasing agents and you say, hi, I, you know, I'm doing a market study on this submarket. You know, how much, you know, I drove through your property. I went to your website. Your website says three vacancies. It looks like you have four. You know, the rents were quoted on the website to be 22. Is that accurate? So that's the same thing that I talked about with the national retailers. When you are trying to get market intel from your neighbors, do some homework first. Go to the website, go to the shopping center, then email the leasing agent. Like if anyone, people call me for market data all the time and I try to be as helpful as I can. But I would love to get an email that says, hi, Beth, we visited Shops of Arrowhead. We went on your website. Here's the discrepancy. 
maybe the, the website's not up to date, or maybe you just had a new vacancy, or maybe you just had a new tenant. But, you know, and, and my rents are definitely not listed anywhere because I want to have a conversation with the prospect. So, um, you know, what are your rents? What are your cams? Blah, blah, blah. So I would love that. And I would be able, I'd type it right back. We wouldn't have a whole, you know, phone tag going on. I would say, um, here, here are my vacancies. These are the sizes. These are my rents. Da, 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 da. So, so that's how I would compete against, but I would then take the market study to the client and say, I know you want 40. Can you explain why you want 40? Because here's the market study and the best shopping center in the market with one vacancy is asking 32. So for me to be able to sell your property for you in the best light, tell me why you believe it's worth 40. And if they can't convince you of that, you should not take the listing because you will not be successful. So, so that, that's that. Okay, so the last question, uh, and James, hi James, TI plays into this, the 50 is giving TI and the 20 is not. Yes, thank you, James. All right, so what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given as a newer broker? Um, well, the best piece of, of advice that I give out is to work harder than anyone else um, when you're young and you don't have kids and you don't have responsibilities. Um, I used to go in the office on Saturdays when the boss was there to do paperwork, like to do my CRM every Saturday. And the boss was there and the other executives were there. And they and I would probably do it three, two to three Saturdays a month. Again, I'd get there around eight, I'd get home by 11. It was a few hours, but it was FaceTime with the boss. Um, I was able to do my paperwork. I caught up. I was able to do my activity reports, whatever. And then, but he saw me. And it's not who you know, it's who knows you. So I got FaceTime. He would always buy pizza for everyone that was there on Saturdays. We'd sit around for 15, 20 minutes shooting the shit. And I was the first person out of the four in our rookie class to get my own listing. It was because he knew who I was and he knew I worked hard. I think that work ethic is the only thing that you can control. You can't control the economy. You can't control the interest rates. You can't control the market, but you can control your work ethic. And um, so that worked for me. Um, you know, I grew through the company very fast. I became the president. So that's what worked for me. So I would say that work ethic. And then the other thing I would say is relationships between you and money are people between you and money are people. So you have to add people to your life and meeting the neighborhood leasing agents, canvassing retail prospects, office pro prospects, industrial, whoever your prospects are, canvassing them and being top of mind for, for, for them, making sure that they know who you are. The tenant rep brokers, the, the, your property managers in your company, between you and money are people. So add more people, network. This week, I spoke to three people this past week, all with properties in Florida, all asking me my advice, and none of them knew about the ICSE in two weeks in Orlando. And now they're all going. So uh, there's conferences where you can meet thousands of people. So, um, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys for jumping on. 
And if you have any questions, DM me and maybe I'll start doing this maybe once a week or once every other week. Okay. Happy Sunday.